pandemic may have brought some long-needed common sense to the restaurant finance market. Hello, this is Jonathan Mays, Editor-in-Chief of Restaurant Business, and in this week's edition of A Deeper Dive, I speak with Mark Wasilewski, Head of Franchise Finance for TD Bank. We have Mark on the podcast every so often to talk about the state of financing markets and where they're headed. This week, we talk about the uneven recovery in the restaurant business and how that's affecting finance to restaurant companies, both big and small. We discuss the impact the pandemic has had overall on financing and how it's likely ended, at least for now, a period of overly aggressive lending to a space that has enabled a lot of companies to take on way too much debt. Please have a listen. Okay, I am here with Mark Wasilewski. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Jonathan, thanks. I'm glad to be here. All right. So if I'm looking for the $60,000 question, or maybe I ought to call it the $60 billion question, is what's the financing markets in the restaurant industry going to be like in the next, um, you know, say in the coming year? And do you think that they're going to be more or less likely to lend into the restaurant space? Um, well, I think that um, it's an interesting question. It's an unprecedented time, right? No one has ever been through something like this. I mean, I, I can't think of a recent example where there's been an, uh, an exogenous event that, you know, is universally applied across the world. Um, and, and, uh, and really, you know, no one knows what's going to bring us out of, out of this issue. Um, I think that there's a spectrum here with the way that restaurants are being affected. I think a lot of people understand the difference between the quick service restaurant and then the spectrum to fast casual, casual, and then fine dining. Um, the QSR space from a lending perspective and from an operational perspective is, is in many cases doing really well. Um, they have invested a tremendous amount of time and money and frankly, creativity and delivery and mobile ordering. Uh, they've got a great handle on off-premise sales, and they've got drive-throughs. Um, and except for those that are in airline and train stations and airport hubs and the ones that might be in a downtown Manhattan office building, most are doing quite well. Uh, the fast casual, casual fine dining space, where you're more reliant upon in-house dining, uh, you have an alcohol component to sales. Uh, much larger square footage commitments and higher staffing and overall overhead commitments are, are, are more difficult. Um, you know, when you talk about lending, I think that the reaction to the market is going to apply along that spectrum, um, you know, from a risk standpoint. The QSR space, I think, will remain a relatively comfortable place for people to be. Um, I think as you move along the spectrum towards the fast casual slash casual fine dining, it, it, it gets a bit more difficult. Um, while some of those industries have adapted to some off-premise sales, it, it hasn't been to the degree that the QSR space has been able to do that. Um, the other issue uh, is, you know, providing off-premise sales, which is key to cash flow and keeping your rent paid and your employees uh, working, uh, has to do with having a menu that really is amenable to delivery and to takeout. 
Um, and that's more difficult to do. Um, you know, QSR food is kind of expected to be taken in the car and eaten on the way. It's okay if it sits a while. Fries are best hot, but you could still eat them later. Um, the fast casual and the, and the fine dining areas, um, they have to simplify. They have to modify their menus for tasty food that they can make quickly, make a profit, and that travels well. So these are all the things I think that people are going to be facing. If you want to get into just the specifics on lending, I think that it's interesting. A lot of restaurant lending is based on cash flow. Mm -hmm. Restaurants don't have a lot of hard assets, right? Uh, they have leasehold improvements, which are fairly worthless to anyone else, and you know, a fryer and an oven and a couple of other things. Um, there's not much there. It, it's cash flow lending. You you lend against cash flow. There's there's no real inventory to lend against. There's no receivables. There's no payables. Very little working capital. It's truly a cash business. Um, so historically, there hasn't been a lot of focus on balance sheets. Mm -hmm. um, right. I mean, you know, you know, as long as you can cover your fixed charges at a 1.1 to 1.2 times ratio, most banks were pretty comfortable with that. Um, I think there's going to be a focus on the balance sheet, which is kind of new to this industry, um, and, and really just liquidity. Um, I think the bar, you know, the, the, the operators doing well now, um, have either been relatively unaffected, mm -hmm. uh, or they've been creative or they have some liquidity, you know, some of their own cash equity or liquid investments to invest in the business. You know, I, I think the banks will be looking for um, more liquidity and, and secure liquidity in the in the forms of you know minimum liquidity requirements, perhaps some pledged assets, cash market securities. Uh, in this, in the cases where they're stretching their underwriting, mm -hmm. I think in in the box deals will probably remain largely unaffected. Um, I think you might see less tolerance for higher leverage. Um, you'll see maybe a little less tolerance for tight debt service. Um, and then the other big thing facing the industry is how to value these businesses. Right. Um, you know, we are valuing on cash flow, and I, you know, the banks, in, in my opinion, are all struggling with this. Do you look at 2019 performance and value the business on that? Or do you take into account what's happened, you know, March, April, May? Um, or do you do something along that as a spectrum, which I think is probably going to be the more likely approach? Mm -hmm. uh, there's so many variables right. in the space. I mean, look, <laughs> the treatment of COVID and the restrictions are statutory. In fact, they can even be municipal, right? They can they can go right down to the state, local level, uh, state to town levels. Right. Um, I think most people have adopted the phase one, two, and three, um, but they're all a little different. Uh, you know, some restaurants, some indoor dining, has not been open in some states. Was it New Jersey or Philadelphia that just went to twenty five percent? It was New Jersey. Indoor dining. Yeah. Yeah. So nobody's going to make money at. 25% capacity. No. It's just not good. 
the interesting thing is the demand is still there, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all see the bars and the restaurants that had opened sporadically over the last couple of months, and, and they were packed. People were out the door. Um, and you can argue whether or not that's smart, but what it tells you is people still want to go out and eat. They're tired of cooking at home. They want to be social. Um, so the demand is there. I think the creativity of the restaurateur is going to have a big impact yeah. on how they do that. They've yeah. been very creative over the creative over the warm months, but you know what's going to happen during the colder months. Right. But you were going to say something. Well, I was just basically to to that point. It's it's you know one thing that we learned during the pandemic, and certainly in the past, you know, certainly in the past couple of months, is that the the you know the restaurant industry is a very it, it can it's you know, consumers had a, you know, really, really wanted to get back out to restaurants first off. And then, and then they, they, you know, they have continued to spend at restaurants, even as, um, uh, you know, even, even amidst the, the pandemic and that there is a certain important role that the industry plays, um, in society and people are, f- really reluctant to let that go. And they were very, very quick to return. They were a lot quicker to return than I would have imagined back in March. Um, I mean, they started coming back in April. Yep. And yeah, it's been, yeah, go ahead. Well, and it seems that seems like if I'm, if I'm a lender looking at that space, that gives, there's certain, there's certainly, or if I'm any sort of investor of any kind that, you know, I mean, that's, it has to be a certain comfort or a certain safety in investing into this business because that demand is there. Um, there is a certain need for the restaurant industry simply to provide food for, for the public because grocers back in March couldn't handle it when restaurants all right. shut down. And so, I mean, that has to like provide at least some sort of safety, uh, at least some, some sort of safety for investors going forward. No, I think it does. Um, no doubt. I think the issue is, is because there's so little working capital in mm-hmm. these businesses, there's nothing to ride. You can't, you can't accelerate your receivables. You can't ride your payables, right? All that stuff, you know, that, that, a, that, that a typical commercial and industrial company can do. Um, so, you know, you've, you've got to turn to something, right? If, if it's, you know, relief from your bank, which, Banks universally, I think, for the most part, provided three-month principal and interest deferrals in various forms. Um, there's rent relief, uh, and then there's controlling your variable costs, which you know the biggest component is labor. Um, I think that uh, if you can if you can control those aspects, you can stretch things out a little longer. I mean, the issue is we just don't know when it's going to end, mm-hmm. and it and it and it and it's treated differently and. In, in different states, and certain areas have more of an advantage. Um, as you said, um, the restaurants realized the demand was still there. They were incredibly creative. Um, you know, the towns and the cities thankfully got on board um, and, and put their restrictive zoning and all that baloney aside, you know, for a while and let people put tables in parking lots. Um, thank goodness, because it's not that big a deal, right? And, mm-hmm. and it's worked out really well. Unfortunately, you know, north of Mason-Dixon line, that's going to be a problem. And 
45 days. Yeah. Um, there's 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 going to be an issue with that, and you're going to have to move things indoor or move to off-premise sales, right. um, which I think is a great opportunity, um, but it's different, and it doesn't help your wait staff. Yeah. So you you mentioned balance I, sheet issues. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think there I think there are going to be banks that are going to stay in the business. I think mm-hmm. there are banks that are to hold back. Everyone's going to take care of their customers, um, but there are going to be institutions that there was an influx of banks over the last couple of years getting into this asset class, <laughs> and it it really is a lifo effect. Most banking is famous for that. Mm-hmm. You know, last in, first out. Um, a lot of those banks who jumped in and, you know, at the peak of the wave or just over the top of it, they're not long-term players or, or they got, they haven't been in it long enough to understand the cycle and they get uncomfortable and they just pull up. And there were, there was an unprecedented number of banks, unprecedented number of banks getting into this space a year and a half ago. Yeah. And that's because commercial CNI business is getting more and more difficult to do. Right. Right. Um, you know, yeah. you, you have hard, hard asset financing is disappearing in the United States. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're really an intellectual um, society now. Um, and venture capital, family offices, private equity are taking the place of the banks. Um, when issuing longer term capital mm-hmm. and restaurant business, you know, no fault to those banks for jumping in later. I mean, it's a great business and, and it works and it's still there and there's a constant need for money. Restaurants need to be remodeled every five to 10 years. Yeah. They want to grow. I mean, they, they use, they use cash. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think, you know, you asked me earlier, you know, what are the banks going to do? I, I think the banks that are committed to the space and have been doing it a long time, um, are, are going to stick around. Um, but I think some of those later entrants um, might decide it's not for them. Yeah. So you think that uh, sort of deal terms will be a little bit, um, uh, you know, I mean, one of the things that um, the result of all of these entrants into this market is that you saw some what what people would call aggressive terms. Um, and sure. uh, and the one thing, you know, that if, you know, I I can tell you, and I, I probably don't, and I'm certainly you can, if you look at, um, you know, you know, the, the companies that uh, have been far more likely to ride this out without having to go bankrupt or having to, to, to do something drastic versus those, um, uh, you know, those that did end up in some sort of workout beyond whether they are a QSR or, or not a QSR is, you know, is how much debt that they have on their books. And, the amount of leverage that they've undertook. And, um, you know, that market from, uh, you know, 2012, 13-ish or so to 2000, to the end of 2019, early 2020, really ended up, the result of that was a lot of very aggressive um, financial strategies on the part of a lot of companies. You think this is, you know, you think that this is end up going to correct that at all? Um, Maybe bring a little bit more common sense to that? Yeah, it's it's a classic pendulum. Um, it always overswings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, we we passed on you know a lot of deals that we really would have liked to do. 
um, purely for almost purely for leverage reasons. Um, you know, the recovery, you know, when you're stretching term and you're stretching leverage, you know, there's, there's inflated values. You know, I always tell my customers, you, you can pay whatever you want for, for a restaurant, but I'm only going to give you so much, right? The rest is up to you. And I think banks were dipping deeper and deeper into that mez slash equity tranche. Uh, and when you're getting paid 180 basis points or 250 basis points, you have no business being in that tranche, right? You don't have any upside. You get a coupon, and when you get paid off, you're done. I mean, we're, we don't get warrants. We don't get kickers. You know, we're not equity owners. I think the banks, which we've been famous for doing, we've done it many, many times in my career. I've watched the banks do this. Will it swing back and will it overswing? You know what? I'm not so sure. I think there are still some brands out there. Uh, that that are still really doing quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that I think it will. I think it will contract to some degree. I, I think leverage. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see leverage coming in a half turn or more. Um, you know, debt service. You know, maybe going from you know tight fixed charges of one one to going up to one two one two five. Um, the, and, and the reason for that is that is get is having some cushion. In this time of um, uncertainty, so you know, do you do a stretch deal when when you've got an outside event controlling things that that no one can really determine? You, you really should pull your underwriting in, right? So mm-hmm. I, I do think most banks are going to do that. I think borrowers should should expect that and should do that too. Um, I, I think it's just prudent, and if you want to be a long term player in this space, that's what you have to do. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you might see some bills go by, but you know, let them go. Um, it's, to me, it's not worth the stress. At this point in my career, I'd, I'd rather just stay with deals that make sense. Mm-hmm. I think senior debt has a part to play. I think that part is fairly defined uh, in, in, in really within the within the um, the constraints that I like to operate in. And, and, you know, can we dip our toe into those lower, tr- lower tranches? I think we can under the right circumstances. But should we should we be consistently providing six and a half plus times leverage, I, I, you know, on a ten year deal? I, I don't think those things make sense. Uh, the asset liability match is not correct. Um, you know, you, you're you're positioning yourself for a balloon. Uh, you're looking for hockey stick upsides. Uh, it's just not prudent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I agree with you. I think at the 2020 it was a peak, and I do think people will contract e- even if it's just for uncertainty. Right. Um, even that should be worth a half a turn on leverage, if, if, if not more. Mm-hmm. Will, do you think that, um, you know, so the thing is, and you've, you've, you've remarked this, that there's, there's a pretty wide variation in performance, you know, QSR, you know, yeah. the pizza players, are, I mean, are just really, 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 I mean, some chains are just flourishing. Papa John's numbers are through the roof wing stock chains like that. Yeah. And, and then of course, on the other end of you have, you know, companies with a lot of urban markets or you have companies with, uh, you know, and certainly casual dining, uh, upscale restaurants are, are really struggling. I mean, is that going to bake? I mean, is, do you think that from the financing community, I mean, do you really see a vast difference between, uh, lending to those different groups? I mean, are they far more likely to shy away from the full service for, for the time being? I think banks are going to take care of their existing customers. Mm-hmm. And, and I think banks understand 
that there's value there. Um, there may have to be additional deferrals. There may have to be, you know, some concessions uh, in the structure. But I do think banks will will support will support those institutions uh, at least for the you know the next six to twelve months. I, I think if you know, which which I think to a large degree, hopefully this will be resolved. Um, so I, I, I do think there's there's going to be support there from their existing providers. Um, the folks who just did an acquisition and levered up are going to be in a very different position from those who have been operating, you know, the same 10 restaurants for 15 years and they've been financing with their own cash flow and, you know, they're in a more comfortable position. Um, you know, so there's a spectrum in the position of where you're getting caught too, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with doing a levered acquisition or a reasonably levered acquisition. You just don't want something like this to happen within the first year, right? Or two. <laughs> No, um, but we all know we'll get there. It's it's just there's regulatory impacts. You know, how do you rate the credit? Is it a criticized asset? You know, how deeply is it criticized? I mean, those are things that you know nobody wants to deal with. But in a, you know, we're in a cyclical environment. You have to expect those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where do you see the industry in three years? That's a question I've been asking people lately. Where do you see this industry in say three years from now? Um, I think the one thing that's going to come out of this is, is, is ex, ex, there's, there's, there, this has driven a massive acceleration in, in creativity and new ways to do mm-hmm. business. Um, all of those kind of ticking trends that we were watching, you know, kind of like the sound of a chain going up a roller coaster, right? Um, we're over the top and we're, we're, we're racing down now. And, and, and that's everything from, mobile apps to delivery, um, dark kitchens, right? I mean, look, you know, say you have, you know, a group of five high-end restaurants, you have the assets, you have the talent, you have the cooks, um, you have the creativity, you know, is it time to, to become, you know, take some of that downtime and that lost capacity and, you know, become a dark kitchen, uh, develop a menu that travels well, that's tasty, that's quick, um, that's unique, has variety. Um, I think you're going to see all those. I can't tell you what it's going to look like, but I think, you know, if, if you take all of those things that have been happening and you, and you kind of just let them exponentially grow in your imagination and go in a variety of directions, um, you know, you're going to see a change in the industry. Um, you know, probably the QSR space, less of a focus on dining, mm-hmm. dining areas. Um, yeah. I mean, when you think about dining in, right, um, you, you've got to deal with, with litter. You've got to deal with people making a mess. Um, you've got bathroom facilities. Um, you, you, you have, you have, you know, capacity is, is someone sitting at that table all morning long. You know, when you, when you feed someone through a drive through, they give you your money. They may shove a old pack of Kleenex in the garbage can at the end, but, <laughs> They're gone. You're not dealing with their garbage. They're mm-hmm. not using your bath. They're not using your soda machine. They're not breaking your equipment. Um, you know, they're not spilling a giant sugary laced diet coke all over the floor. Uh, you know, I, I think people are starting to see that. Uh, you know, the delivery, delivery off premise sales, whether it's takeout or delivery. You know, it used to be pizza, right? I mean, look at the variety you have available to you now. I mean, you know, some of the 
best restaurants in my town that absolutely would never deliver anything. You had to go in and wait an hour and a half in line to get their food. They're all delivering now. I mean, I'm, you know, it's, it's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. It's awesome. So I, I think those trends are going to be accelerated and I think they're going to become permanent. You know, so where takeout was 3% of your business, it could be 25, 30% of a restaurant's business uh, mm-hmm. after this. Right. Um, that opens up a whole bunch of possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that, that's the one thing. That's kind of what I see as being the biggest impact. Yeah. Um, I really do. Will, will there be changes in, you know, the geographic locations? I mean, are, are people going to, you know, airports and train stations, as you know, are, are pretty punitive with their leasing contracts, right? I mean, they can kind of just kick somebody out for the slightest reason. They're, they're not very lessy friendly. Um, maybe that'll change, right? You know, maybe they don't have quite the upper hand that they used to with the captive audience, right? Right. I mean, you don't get the two, six, you don't get the two for six Big Mac in the airport, right? No. You pay $9 that Big Mac. Um, and, and it's a very attractive market, but right now it's not. Not remotely. So, no, is that an opportunity for you to take advantage of your your airport and say, hey, yeah, I, I don't really like this lease anymore. This is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe you can you can turn. There's a silver lining to everything. I think. Right. Um, yeah. Um, I'm not necessarily known for being terribly optimistic, but I'll throw this one out there for you. Um, <laughs> along those lines, it's it's that um, um, it, it's it's that like if this is sort of a big reset, right? I mean, if we assume that like 10 to 15% of restaurants are going to close, which is probably a pretty fair estimate in my opinion. And we look at everything that the industry is doing to change right now. We've looked at the amount of consumer demand for restaurants that have has remained in, I mean, there's still obviously plenty of consumer demand for restaurants, um, you know, overall. And, you know, so we get past this period and we get past this this period in which which we still see restaurants closing and then there's still capacity issues and, you know, and, and restaurants are still adjusting. I mean, to me, then what you have coming out on the other side of it, um, assuming that the economy starts growing, is you actually have probably a fairly long period uh, of of pretty good growth in this industry and a lot of opportunities that were just gone that were just not even, no one have even thought of seven months ago. Seven months ago, you know, this industry was completely saturated, um, you know, and your best hope if you were, certainly if your restaurant chain was going overseas, um, it was just, it was really hard to grow in this business. And now those growth opportunities are suddenly there. Um, would you agree with that assessment? I mean, do we see like coming out on the other side, is this, is there this potential for a, a pretty long-term um, period of, of, of really good growth for, for the restaurant industry? Um, I think it's a, I think it's a, a great observation. Uh, I think it's pretty astute. Um, we've been talking about a shakeout for probably three or four years mm-hmm. now. Um, franchising is a great way for people, um, to get into business in a way that's got some degree of certainty. Um, the mom and pops, uh, where they've been able to survive have gotten better and better. Um, I think that um, I think that very well could be the case um, when you shake off 
I don't know if weaker is the right word, um, uh, you know, competition. Uh, it, it just it just opens up everything for everything else. It's like a you know, um, it's cleansing, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it it makes room it makes room for everyone else to grow. I would like to thank Mark Wasilewski for joining us this week on the podcast. Before we go, I would also like to throw in a plug for our newest podcast in restaurant business, RB Daily. RB Daily brings to you the most important news of the day from the editors of Restaurant Business. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or find it wherever you get your podcasts. And that's it for this week's edition of A Deeper Dive, which was edited by Kimberly Kazmarek. Artwork by Nico Hines and Sarah Stewart. You can find this and other episodes of the podcast on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash deeper dash dive or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jonathan Mays, your host and the podcast producer. Thank you for listening.